Welcome to the Awareness Podcast. Every Friday, one of our four hosts, Bill Free, Jenny Beale, Cindy Krupp, and Susan Telford, will discuss spiritual awakening in everyday life with their guests. Listen as they discuss their newest insights and share what is helping them remove the obstacles to self-realization, inner peace, and happiness. Hello, everyone. This is Cindy, and I am really excited to welcome you to this edition of the Living in Oneness podcast. Um, We have a returning friend again. You know, I have We've had such a great, we had such a great time the last time that Linda couldn't, she jumped at the chance to come back. Let's put it that way. Right, Linda? This is yeah. Linda Yamin. And instead of giving you a big bio, what I want to do is point you all back to a couple of months back where Linda and I talked about some really fun and interesting ways to step into awareness. Um And we're going to talk some more about that, about how to step into every moment of every day, really, um, in this sense of presence and awareness and and what that looks like for Linda and for myself. And we're going to get started in just a second. First, first. I imagine, you know, some of you may be walking or driving or doing whatever. So I'm not ask, I'm not going to ask you to pull your attention away from the present moment. Instead, this is really cool. So pay attention to what I'm saying. I'd love you to become fully aware of your present moment. Fully aware of how your body feels in this moment. No need to close your eyes, right? So you're driving, become fully aware of how it feels to be sitting in your car, how it feels. Pay attention right in this moment to your hands on that steering wheel. I wouldn't be surprised if even a moment ago you You weren't aware of that. Become fully aware of where your car is on the road, the other cars that surround you, the lights, the signs, the the line down the center of the room. You may notice as you do that, as you sink into what is in your environment, in this moment now, that there's a sense that you weren't there a moment ago. Maybe your thoughts were on a conversation you had yesterday or a difficult decision your mind's telling you you have to make that's going to affect you tomorrow. When your mind pulls you into yesterday or takes you into tomorrow, where you're not is here. So I'm not asking you to close your eyes. I'm not asking you to not be present to maybe you're on a walk or maybe you're just sitting and watching us or maybe you're driving or maybe you're cleaning your house or maybe you're 
you know, chopping some vegetables, whatever it is you're doing while you're taking this time with Linda and I, the invitation is to notice. Just sink into here. And even as I'm stating and, and doing that invitation for you or, or inviting us all into that, what I am noticing, <laughs> there's a sharpness. There's, there's a different kind of edge to the light. There's a different kind of edge to the beautiful woman who's hanging out next to me. I'm becoming more aware of how the air feels on my skin. And it, and it feels crisp and vibrant and alive and somehow bigger and more beautiful. What say you, my friend Linda? How does this moment feel to you? Oh, Cindy, what a beautiful introduction, a wonderful segue into our time together. This moment right now is precious, infinite. It's the now. And I'm going to segue a little bit, just what you said, noticing you know, the sights and sounds, the sharpness, the crispness. And then let's take it one step further. What is doing the noticing? What is noticing the sights, the sounds, the smells, the sidewalk, the traffic? And that's really where our investigation begins. That's where all the non-dual teachers are pointing. They're all saying the same thing, but in a thousand different books, a thousand different podcasts, a thousand different ways. And it keeps coming back to what is doing the noticing. And that's the true self. And we spend so much time with the small self, what maybe the Course in Miracles would call ego or the separated self. We have these beliefs and these customs and these rituals and all these things that make up our life. But then the wisdom teachers say, wait a minute, go back to the true self. What's that? Investigate that. And that's what our conversation today is really about, is investigating the true self and where is it? What is it? How do you describe something that there's no words to describe it? So we could just be silent for the next 55 minutes. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so between the two of us, we're going to try to put into words what there are no words for the self. Um, I was having a conversation earlier today with a friend. And, and I was pointing to the fact that Linda and I were going to do this recording. And he said, you, you, I guess you're going to have to go and prepare. And, and I laughed and I told him it, that I have learned that this work, you know, to point to the truth, to open a portal, a door, to allow all of us to step into the realization of that oneness and that truth. You don't prepare for a podcast or a teaching or when you write a blog, 
you you choose to embody and live the teachings and from that place when it's time to celebrate with words what's happening it'll just occur and and you and i both have stories life you know life happens and just in the last you know 10 days or so life has been hitting me and i know in the last couple of months life has given you lots of opportunities to hone your living and present skills and we're going to talk about that and yet before we do that i'm really inspired and also i'm going to invite you all to stay awake for this hour and I don't know, you know, it'd be curious, you know, leave a comment or send me an email if this is for you. I have noticed that when I step into a teaching like what Linda and I are doing right now and the energy, the vibration, it's just a little bit higher than where I was sitting when I stepped into it. There is almost like a resistance that occurs inside, like some a defense comes up. And I've noticed that the body will want to turn away <laughs> or go to sleep or start looking at its do list. Pay attention if you see that happen and know that's, that's the conditioned mind's resistance to change. The resist, the mind wants to live in a small box. Linda and I are inviting you to extend the size of that box, maybe even dissolve the doors. And so if all of a sudden you notice that you're not paying attention like you were a moment ago, or you're getting sleepy, or there's a to-do list or something pulls you away, take a breath, be here now, and consider, consider coming back. Consider waking up into this moment, yeah. So what I was going to say, um, I had a teacher many years ago, he told me to practice when it doesn't count, yeah? Just create the habit of practice with this work. And then when it does count, you will discover that your automatic experience of the moment just naturally shifts and changes so linda um you want to take a few minutes and tell us how you spend a typical day and how you know what your specific practices are and how you handle the little hiccups in your day-to-day -day life i'd love oh, to hear that cindy thank you so much um I, uh, I was talking to Cindy right before we, we started to record, and I was thinking of stories to share. I was thinking of games to play with you. So I'm not sure what's going to come out. Um, I, I did write a few things down, but I don't know if I'll refer to them. I'll, I may just uh, just talk and, and, and see what comes up. But I, I couldn't agree with you more that practicing when it's not really important is a huge part of my life. I I love to spend time playing games, doing experiments, just kind of talking myself through some fun things. And that's how I get grounded. So I would, I would just say the first thing that I do in the morning after my husband leaves for work, the dogs and I are still in bed. 
I do go downstairs and grab a cup of coffee. <laughs> and then I go back to bed, get a couple extra pillows, you know, puffed up. And I just, I start to do a little bit of reading. Maybe it's from A Course in Miracles. Maybe it's one of Rupert Spira's books or Michael Singer's new book, Living Untethered. You know, I'm, I'm going to grab uh, something that speaks to me. And I may just read two pages. That's it. I don't need to start the day with a big, long reading assignment like, you know, when you're in college. Just a few pages to, to get myself centered. And sometimes I call it being anchored. If you are anchored in being, and I say being like with a capital B, <laughs> then when you go about the day, the little hiccups aren't as big a deal. You're anchored in what we would call reality with a capital R instead of virtual reality. So virtual reality is kind of a, a fun way that I call, that's, that's what most of us are doing all day long. We are stuck in like a video game. And the video game is past, future, all the, um, the mind chatter that, you know, you hear all the time, the questions, you know, I'm not good enough to do this or what's next. All of that is taking us away from the present moment. And so I start to let go of that virtual reality and I come into reality or truth. I take a few minutes to, again, like I said, read a little bit of a book. Um, sometimes I talk to my dogs. <laughs> sometimes, you know, they're, they're the best listeners. And I, I let myself relax. I let go of the to-do list and the thought of what I need to accomplish in the day. And I just let myself sit. I'm aware of the pillows. I'm aware of the dogs. I'm aware of the, my phone, the computer, the books. But I go back to what's aware, what is constant, what's stable, what never changes. And that's the way I start my day. So that practice is not difficult to do. It's just what is constant, what is stable. So sometimes I look at the space in the room, and I've heard a lot of teachers talk about it this way, where if you look around the room, the objects are coming and going, but the space in the room is constant. It's there. It doesn't change. It doesn't get bigger or littler. It's the same as it was when you woke up that morning, 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later. The space is the same. No changing. No, nothing's going on with the space. So put some light tension on the space. You can even do it now. Put some attention on the space in the room that you're sitting in. Now, if you're driving, you can still do it as long as you're putting attention on the road. <laughs> but as you see this space, just notice that it's constant. It doesn't change. It doesn't move. It's just there. And that is um, a pretty good description of the self. The self is just there. It doesn't change. It doesn't uh, move around. The body moves. The eyes move. Things change around it. But the self is just there. Watching, observing, witnessing, different names for what the self does. But the self really doesn't do anything, right? <laughs> 
So that's a great way to, to start your day, even if it's only for three to four minutes. It doesn't need to be a full hour. Just taking a little time to get anchored in being. So you're anchored in being. You have <laughs> chores or people to take care of or a yoga class to teach or whatever else is going on. How do you carry that with you through a typical day? And that's, and of course, that's the, the challenge to not separate your, okay, I'm meditating for 15 minutes, but now I'm going to go do life. I, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is they, they separate their spiritual practice from their, their day, from their life. And I, I believe that when you're anchored in being anchored in the self, you could, you know, use Christian terms, you know, you're in the presence of God, doesn't matter what the words are. When you have that sense, you, you go about your day and it feels like you're being guided to do things. Uh, you know, you walk down the stairs, you, you know, look at the sink, there's some dishes. Okay, you, you take care of the dishes. You, uh, you look at the dishwasher. You do all the things that normal people do. But instead of things feeling like chores and jobs or a nuisance, you're just experiencing moment to moment. This is what's happening now. I think I've heard some of the great teachers use that mantra. This is what's happening now. This is what's happening now. I'm getting a glass of water. This is what's happening now. I'm drinking the water. So there's not really a distinction between the day and then, oh, here's when I'm being really spiritual. Your entire day is your spiritual practice. Right. So you walk down the stairs. <laughs> and when you went to sleep the night before, your kitchen was clean. You walked down the stairs, and while you were sleeping, gremlins came in and destroyed your kitchen. And no matter how spiritual you are, <laughs> if it catches you off guard, there may be that contraction, that feeling, that anger that erupts. What do you do when you notice that? Exactly. And what the, the signal that something is disruptive is you feel it in your body. And uh, some of the teachers I've studied, but they call it a trigger. But typically there's a tight kind of grasping feeling, like you mentioned, and everybody feels it differently. Some people feel it in the throat. Some people feel it in the chest. Some people feel it in the belly. And you let that feeling inform you. I am upset. And it's not because something happened. It's just, I am upset. And then you sit with the upset. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. You let that emotion move through you, whether it's uh, anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's, it's grief, it doesn't matter what the moment brings you. You let that experience move through you without resisting it, without saying things like, well, if I was more spiritual, I wouldn't be triggered by this. It's just dishes in the sink. Who cares? You let it move through you. You feel it with every fiber. Maybe it's tingles. Maybe it's tightness. Maybe you even sweat. You know, it doesn't really matter. 
here, it's just your body is responding. Your body's giving you information. And you take the time to let that move all the way through you. Don't, you know, don't stop it. Just let it move. A, a typical emotion only takes about 90 seconds to start moving. I mean, they, I think that scientists and psychologists have actually proven that. So maybe you just sit or stand for 90 seconds and let yourself feel the anger, feel the upset. And then that's when you can start to shift. You let go of the story of why you're upset. It doesn't matter whether it was the husband, the dog, the kitchen, the car wouldn't start, let go of the story and just let the upset be there. And then when it begins to dissolve, usually you notice that just a little bit of peaceful sensation will come in. It'll get quiet for just a moment. And that's when I, I actually take the time and I ask the upset or the fear or the anger, what are you trying to tell me? What's your message to me? So if anger was sitting next to you in a chair, what would anger say to Linda right then? And I listen. And I, I sometimes I get a, a message or an answer. And it'll, well, anger will say, well, nothing ever goes right. Or, yeah, you know, the world's just full of stuff. Something always happens. And usually these messages are beliefs that you've held in your system for a long time. You didn't even know they were there. And they start to surface when you get quiet. And then the next thing I'll do is, is take a moment and say, is that really true? Is it really true that life just gives you experiences that you can't handle? Is that really true? And I don't answer it. I just let the answer, actually, I just let the question happen. Is it really true? And then sometimes I'll say, is it actually true? Is it really, really true? And I'll keep inquiring, keep inquiring. And then after a few minutes, suddenly, it really feels like just there will be some overwhelming peace. There won't be the strong emotion. The story will be gone. And just that peaceful presence will remain. So, um couple things. It sounds like you've studied with Byron Katie or done a little bit of the work every you now know, and again. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know any of that was going to come out until you asked me that. <laughs> uh, you know, um, yeah. So a couple of fabulous and like, I believe I'm laughing because I was like, this was worth the price of admissions, folks, because I know you've spent a lot of money to listen to this free <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but if you get just this one thing, um, my friend Wynn, who will probably listen, I love you, Wynn. Um, she was the first one that I heard say it out loud. You know, we learn a lot of things in the living one ex experience and in all of these teachings, the most difficult when she's like, this idea of doing nothing <laughs> is the most difficult of all of our um, practices. And it's worth, you know, it's a, it's a key thing. I've heard Bill Free say it and others say it. If you could take uh, pause breaks, 100 pause breaks a day, it only takes a couple of seconds. 
to separate yourself from the world and breathe and reconnect to that awareness that you were talking about what what happens through the pause practice, which is others teach it. It is one of the key portals in the living and oneness experience. We talk about it fairly often is that we become more adept at watching the the reaction to life happen. So it's like, it's almost like the automatic response. There's a slow motion and there's a space that develops between stepping into the kitchen, seeing the mess and the reaction to it. It just, as we practice pausing, as we begin our day in awareness, and allow uh, frequent awareness or presence or pause breaks, um, we can watch the world arise in that space that doesn't change. And then something like that messy kitchen arises. We could feel the story, the thoughts, we could feel the sensations in our body, and we find ourselves making those choices that you just stated. Um, so that was the first thing I wanted to say. Um, the more you say yes to living in awareness, the more you say yes to the living in oneness experience, the more you say yes to incorporating, whether it's five minutes or an hour or five minutes every hour of these practices into your day, um, having the presence to do what Linda just stated becomes, uh, first it feels like a challenge. It's, oh my God, I, you know, and then it, it becomes a focus. And then one day you're just gonna notice that you're doing it on, oh, look at that. Something just triggered a wound of belief inside. I've learned through my practice to celebrate that. Every time there is a little contraction inside, I have learned I have conditioned and trained myself to get really, really, really excited about that because it is an opportunity to shine awareness on a belief that had been hidden. And, and awareness alone is curative. That's one of my little, one of the little mantras that I love. As soon as we become aware of it and see it, we can make those choices to let it go and be the true self instead of the limiting self. The other comment, oh man, your share was just so gorgeous. And I'm even laughing because you were, you said it before we talked and you said it (laughs) even in the talk going, man, do we have more than five minutes to talk? And we're already halfway through this, this podcast. So that's fun. Uh, (laughs) One of the things um, that Lisa, well, I love you, Lisa Natoli, if you've listened to this, (laughs) number one is I was laughing because I didn't drink, I didn't bring coffee into my contemplation time until I met Lisa Natoli. <laughs> and Lisa always talked about her coffee time with God. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try that. And now coffee is a part of all my contemplations in the morning. So I was laughing when I heard that. But one of the things she teaches in the living and oneness experience is almost to separate like everything you just said, only instead of saying, I am upset, The teaching is something along the lines, oh, upset is happening. Oh, I love that. Or look at that. 
there is an experience of sadness or anger happening. And in just that space, there is more of a separation. You, you start owning it less. And then you could go, oh, look at how that feels in the body. And let's sit with it and then do all the things you just said. Allow that. Oh, what is it trying to say? Oh, look it. I believe that this world is out of my control. And no matter how hard I work to clean this house, as soon as I turn around, it's destroyed again. I can't win. My life sucks. Ooh, is that really true? <laughs> is funny. that true? All the stories kind of play out. The mind has all this chatter. And yeah, remember what happened last week? And oh my gosh, did you listen to the news? And then all of a sudden you're on this trail of, you know, uh, of uh, where you go right down the rabbit hole and it's not going to have a good ending. <laughs> so just like you said, you, you pause. I love that little uh, tweak about noticing the upset. That's beautiful. I'm sure I've heard Lisa say that. I've heard so many teachers, beautiful teachers, and the people that are listening to this, this podcast, many of them are probably already a part of the Teachers of God Foundation, Evolve Community. That's where I've learned all these great games and, and just ways to deal with life is through those teachers. They, they have incredible wisdom and knowledge. And oh my gosh, you know, it's just wonderful to be a, a part of that community where every, every month you get a little, a little dose of good medicine <laughs> where somebody says, oh, yeah, that's great. So, so we've now learned about the beginning of your day with your dogs and your coffee <laughs> and awareness and presence in the space. You've talked a little bit about what happens with the little hiccups and this is how you go about your day. So. What happens when there's a big hiccup? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's a couple of things that I, I think will help. Um, and I'll give you a, a story of what's happened to me recently. Um, getting ready for big hiccups, because if you live long enough, you're going to have some big hiccups. You know, you're most likely um, people that you know will not be around through death or, or moving. You know, your career may completely change. Things are going to happen that may or may not be to your liking. So if you can become established and anchored in awareness, anchored in being before all that happens, that's going to tremendously change your reaction or your response to the life big events. So you start with the little stuff like a dirty, like dirty dishes in the sink. And you start with, well, when I lose Wi-Fi, I get really upset. Or, you know, you start with that stuff and you maybe talk yourself through a process like what I just shared with you. But then something really big happens. You probably don't have time to talk yourself through it. You're in the middle of it. And what's worked for me uh, is just allowing everything to be exactly as it is. Don't try to change it. Just feel everything in your body. Don't block it. Let your body feel it. And um, I'll share in, in my family recently, we, we lost my mother-in-law. Um, she died about a month ago. And even though, you know, she was 86 years old, we knew she wasn't going to live another 10, 15 years. But even then, it, it's still, you know, it's a, it can be a sad occasion for people. And I, I just let myself feel sad. 
I just, I didn't try to stop it. I didn't say, well, I shouldn't be sad. I know we're all one. I know that I believe in this aware presence or the presence of God. I didn't give myself those little negative uh, words. I just said, I'm going to sit with this. I am going to be sad. I'm going to be there for my husband. I'm going to let him cry. And I can, I'm almost starting to cry just thinking about it. I'm going to let my sister-in-law cry. I'm just going to put my hand on their shoulder. I'm not going to say silly spiritual things like trying to make them feel better. No, just me going through the process and be, being with whatever, just being with it. That's all I can do. Just being there for the people that were expressing their sorrow. And I just expressed mine with them. I couldn't change what happened. I couldn't change anything when we met with the funeral director, you know, all those things. I just showed up and responded instead of reacted. Okay, that's what we want. Okay, yes, those flowers would be really pretty. Yes, let's have that reading at the funeral. I just was making decisions with my with the rest of my family and I was just doing it in a in a very peaceful way. Was letting my body feel what it needed to feel. So that was the, you know, probably the the biggest thing that can happen in your life is a death of someone you love. That's pretty big. Um, and I I don't expect anyone else to say, oh yeah, I'm going to do that next time this happens to me. Just start to play with it a little bit. Just letting experiences be. We can't argue with what's happening. This is it's just going on. So just go through it one, one footstep at a time. So I'd love to share a little bit, um, both about, not a lot about my practice, but a little bit about what I've discovered. And then something about just even this past week of my life. If, if you're up for that. Please you, do. You could, okay. So um, a number of years ago, I've been on this path for 20 years, probably, but in the last couple of years, especially, I've dove deep into these processes. And, and especially in the last couple of years, I've set the intention to live them, right? So, um, you know, I, I work for the teachers of God and pure presence. I work for Lisa Natoli. I, I have taken the steps to become ordained at Awakening Together. I do teach. I do all of those things. So I say yes to this. I begin, you know, with prayers before I make my coffee. And then I make the coffee. And there's about an hour of contemplation. And, and, um, and all of that is great. But it's what happens when um, my daughter calls with anxiety or my mother does this or the Wi-Fi goes out or the, and, and I feel the conditioning rise up, the sense of not being good enough, the sense of a world that's out of control. It's in those moments that I understand that the practice really exists. So what I have learned, just like I said, when I feel the inner contraction inside, I have conditioned myself the very first thing I say, and it's a wonderful thing to do, right? The first thing I do when I notice an upset is I say, thank you. Because a wholly healed mind is never upset. So if I, Cindy, is fully realized, and this is, there's no judgment, there's no guilt, there's no nothing here. It's just that when I notice that I've gone unconscious, 
I've trained myself to understand that as an opportunity to bring a belief, an idea, an inference, a story to light. So just sitting in the training of the foundation, I think it's St. Teresa, <laughs> that says all is well, all is always well, certain is a Garana Maharaj, reminded us that nothing ever really goes wrong in the world. Of course, miracles tells us that all duality, right? All conflict is part of the dream, the illusion. Um, so there is no conflict in truth. There's not, there is only the love. And so just reminding ourselves whenever we fall off the ladder, even if it doesn't pull us up, it starts to retrain the foundation. So just knowing I have learned as an almost 60-year-old woman on this planet, right? There's this conditioning that we've all had that fear keeps us safe, that living for the next problem to solve will keep us prepared and safe. That's the big lie. So just calling that out, and I call it out all the time, being worried for my children do not does not keep them safe. There's a period. And so every time I find myself worried for my children or wishing they were happier or wanting to have a better relationship or more money, in the, whatever it is, just reminding myself over and over and over again that all is well. Fear does not keep me safe. It keeps the 10,000 things aligned. It shifts my awareness. Just that is enough. So you and I we're supposed to meet this time last week and it got um it got delayed because last um i got this body got fairly ill last tuesday and by last thursday confirmed that i had a full bout you know i didn't tell a lot of my community then that it was covid because there's all this interesting fear associated with covid but this body worked through building its immunity against covid what occurred for almost a week was that I was incapable of thought. That's the best way to describe this most of the week. The body said, please stop. As long as I stayed fully in the present moment, turned off the computer, I rested a lot. I laughed with, you know, uh, with the man I'm dating. You know, we were watching the chosen different things on TV uh, when I wanted to. I took a nap when I wanted to take a nap. I slept, you know, I slept when I wanted to sleep. I drank when I was thirsty. I ate when I was hungry. Every once in a while, there was one really sunny day and I took a blanket out and just soaked up the sun and sweat a little. I did... Uh, my Avita yoga, when I was inspired, to, there was no thought. There was no thought. There was just being. And it was extraordinarily precious. It was precious. Anytime I started or the world came in and said, you should be better by now, or don't you need to worry about this, or what this explosion of pain just flew in this body, the room would start to like spin. And then I'd stop thinking and it would stop. It was extraordinary. Beautiful. It was extraordinary. So the key 
and 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 there was a moment where like the fear it was like the fear i wasn't consciously afraid of death right but there was this fear of death that rose at one point in the body i looked at it and i just watched it it with the same presence that you were talking about now i was still and quiet and the universe gave me this beautiful gift of knowing every time I started thinking outside of the now, because the body started to hurt. Like, it's like, no, 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 no. So I watched this fear of death arise and I was able to watch it and realize that the only thing that could ever die is that which dies, you know, the temporary, the experience. But I was watching it from this place that couldn't be touched by it. And I watched it rise and I watched it dissolve. And the thing is, and, and maybe I'll lose it, I don't know. I love this body. I think it's awesome, right? I love Cindy's life. The, the experience of this Cindy's life from beginning, middle and end is extraordinary. It's, it's exquisite. It has so many opportunities to touch and be and connect. Um, I don't think I'll ever mistakenly believe that that's who I am again. Like there is this beautiful sense, right, of filling the body and surrounding the body and being the body. The idea that I could be limited by it, it just doesn't even make sense and the only um the only thing i could really state relative to cindy's role in it was a showing up every day and doing my contemplations and saying the prayers and saying yes and and choosing for truth over and over and over again there is this consciousness that wraps around all of us so this knowing that we're well and the gift of being uh, quieted for, for a week was extraordinary. And I, and I learned that every precious moment contains that gift. The other thing that occurred towards the end of this week on Monday, you know, I, I live just outside of Buffalo and I don't know the date of when you're watching this, but in, in linear time relative to when Linda and I are speaking right now, um, we're only a couple of days away from an eight, from when an 18 year old white boy drove hours to drive into, you know, this into Buffalo. And I live outside of Buffalo and, and go into an historically black neighborhood and just start shooting and he he killed 10 people very very quickly and and it was a hate crime and it, um, it was pretty intense and i was able to hold this presence through the story i don't really watch the news i get it i know what's going on extending love extending love extending love and my daughter called me on monday and she had found out that day that she knew somebody who had died. And so I'm watching Cindy in this place because now it's touching Cindy's daughter. Um, 
And because of all the practice, um, instead of feeding the fear and feeding the pain, right, which is what we do from a conditioned space, um, I stepped back. And in that moment, I stepped into the pause and I asked consciousness to take over. There was a conscious click and say, what is best here? You know, how does truth be served here? Where does love sit here? And it was an extraordinary experience because in any given moment, What we pay attention to is what is fed, right? So the conditioning, my conditioning wanted to pay attention to the hatred and the fear and my daughter's pain and the, and, and, and the hatred that was expressed. And, and, you know, there's a piece that wants to go out and scream at the world, but I've been taught through practice that we feed what we pay attention to. So I stepped back and I opened up and I allowed her to speak and she spoke it all, but she wasn't speaking it to me, to Cindy, the mother. She was speaking it into this space of presence. And when, and I never corrected her, just like you were, it was the same story that I just heard you share. I felt the pain, I was experiencing the pain and the sadness and, and the experience of that in me also, it was like I placed it on the altar. Keep placing it on the altar, you keep placing it on the altar and it didn't take long. And the conversation moved from the horror to what do I do about this? To isn't it beautiful to choose never to choose to let fear stop us from any decision we want to make. How about we fully embrace the now? How about we make this decision? You, Linda, and me, and my children, and every single person who's listening, what if we just decided that right now we let love lead? Right now we choose to not let fear, constriction, stop us from doing anything, from being or experiencing anything. How about we just simply milk the now and see what happens? Cindy, that was beautiful. Wow. I love what you said about when you were... um, experiencing a week of COVID that your thoughts quieted down. I am a firm believer that thoughts are overrated. (laughs) Thinking is overrated. I think this is one of the big shifts that begins to happen when we are grounded, anchored in being, whatever you want to call it, that thinking doesn't have the power that it used to. And I'm more and more, I'm not referencing thought in my life. I would say that's probably the biggest shift that I can, that I can really feel and sense. And um, one easy way to practice this 
is when you're driving. This is when you can really do while you're driving. Do you really have to think about driving? No, you're in the car. And this is assuming that you've had your driver's license for a little while. Yes, you're following GPS. You know, you have the map, you know where you're going. But while you're driving, you really are surrounded with the Holy Spirit. That's those the words you want to use. You, you're just, you're driving. You're not thinking about driving. You're not even thinking about slowing down or accelerating. Typically, your foot on the gas pedal will just start to do it. You, you don't think, I need to slow down now. You just do it. It, it doesn't have a thought behind it. And again, I'm, I'm becoming aware of this in my life that I'm just not referencing thought all the time. I'm going about my day. I'm not thinking about my day. I'm just being my day. <laughs> I'm just being the, the cooking, <laughs> the cleaning up, the walking the dogs. I'm not thinking about it. And certainly while I'm walking the dogs, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow or the next day. I'm just walking the dogs. So that, that might be a, a, a good practice. You know, I, I told you, you know, how I like to play games and do experiments and kind of all day long and just kind of playing like a kid is to just take your next activity and do it without thinking about it. Athletes call it being in the zone. I guarantee you when Roger Federer is playing tennis, he is not thinking about playing tennis. He's just playing tennis. <laughs> He's just there on the court. And the experience is happening without thought. So, um, you know, that, that's one of the games that I do play a lot. And, and it's kind of fun. You're just thinking, the thinking starts to subside and you're just the experience. I think Deepak Chopra um, was asked on a, in a podcast that I heard recently, you know, how does he do so many things? He writes books, he does lectures. Uh, he has a family, he, you know, and they talked about his busy schedule. And he said, I do one thing at a time. He said, right now I'm recording this podcast. When I get home, I am not recording the podcast. I'm home. I'm not thinking about the podcast. I'm not referencing back in my memory. Oh, did I do that right? Did, you know, should we re-record it? I'm just letting the podcast go. And now... I'm at home and I'm helping my wife get dinner. You know, he just talked about his experiences and, and that really spoke to me that he was just, he was doing one thing and not thinking about another thing. So maybe that will be helpful to people as they're going about their day, just be the day <laughs> and don't think about the day. Yeah. And if you do, choose to practice what my beautiful friend Wynn said is the hardest of all of these. You know, it's so fun that the hardest of all spiritual practices is to uh, rest your mind from the story, to pause, to simply feel the grounds beneath your feet, to do nothing, just be a non-doer just for a few moments all through the day. I think when that happens, you're, you, you just, you go with the flow and you're not thinking 
oh, I need to go get a glass of water. You're just, you just flow and, and you find yourself in the kitchen, just pouring yourself a glass of water. And then what will happen? And Michael, I know you said you were reading Michael Singer now. And yes. so I've learned this from him about the narrator in the head. What yes. becomes so interesting when the body mind personality is thirsty, it will go to get the water. There is a narrator in the head that starts saying, oh, now you're thirsty and going to get the water. There is a piece of you that believes you need the narrator to get the glass of water. When you slow down, when you practice that pause, you will discover that you're on your way to fulfilling the body's thirst before the narrator catches up. Yes. You don't need the narrator. I think it's, it's, um, it might be Francis Francis Lucille who says the clown comes in and takes the bow. And, and it wasn't your, it, it wasn't anything that's important that told you to get a drink. Nothing told you to get a drink. You just got the drink. And then the clown comes in and takes the bow and says, Oh, that was, that was me that needed the drink. Yeah, the clown will tell you that if he isn't fully employed, you'll never remember to brush your teeth again. And that's just, that's that's not true. If your teeth need brushing, they will be brushed. I Yes, I think it's just this life intelligence. We have to trust that life is intelligent, that the intelligence of life just flows. And we don't have to control it. It will just be. This is extraordinary, Linda. This is phenomenal. It feels like we can go on and on. We labeled this podcast Awareness Games, and really life becomes an amazing game when we decide to play it that way. Are there any other specific tips or tricks or fun things you want to share with us before we put a pin in this extraordinary time together? Uh, let me share a couple. I just have to laugh because this podcast did not go in the direction I thought it was going to go at all. It totally took a detour. <laughs> and uh, and what a beautiful detour. Um, and to hear your experiences and, and your stories about what's happened for you was, was a beautiful gift in this podcast. So um, it was very interesting to just see the experience of, of making a podcast just completely kind of take over <laughs> instead of me trying to control it. Uh, so this was a, a big gift for me uh, just doing this, but maybe I, let me, let me, uh, let me just leave you with um, uh, just one fun experiment or game that, that you could do, you know, throughout the day, you know, even if it's not every day, a couple times a week, it's just fun to plant, plant little seeds. Um, and I, I, I call this the Russian nesting dolls. So remember those Russian nesting dolls that one's a little bit, there's a small doll and then a bigger doll and then a bigger one, bigger, bigger, bigger. And all these dolls just sit inside each other. Um, think of just think, notice your body and then imagine a bigger body. And the little body is inside the bigger body. And then go to the next step. Imagine that bigger body. But now we've got another bigger body 
and it sits inside that. And then notice that body. And then the next bigger body that it sits in. And keep going with this as long as your attention will let you. And notice that the body container becomes entirely meaningless and that all there is is just this spacious, unlimited, borderless awareness. And there you are. That's it. (laughs) I hope that helps some of you just kind of play with the idea that we are so much bigger than what we've been told. Yeah, so fun. (laughs) So fun. And let me take just a moment to say thank you. Linda has been part of our community for years. She's part of our living and oneness um, experience community. She's been sharing her light and her beauty uh, studying uh, Course in Miracles and non-dual teachings and sharing them whenever she can. She's uh, someone who is madly in love with the practice of yoga yes. and actually is now a teacher of my particular brand of yoga, which is the Avita Yoga. And we did um, we did have a conversation a couple months back that I'd love people to listen to. Um, so thank you for being here. So if you enjoyed this podcast, love to hear from you. Um, but also check out all the other podcasts, you know, favor us. Um, come and, and click the buttons and learn more about what we do at the Teachers of God Foundation and, and a Pure Presence. Because, you know, we are what our community is. And we just, we love everyone. Well, we love everyone, (laughs) but those of us who come and be part of that community is what makes our community. So thank you. Thank you, Linda. Thank you for being here. And until next time, just know that I love us all. Thank you, Cindy. It was delightful to spend this hour with you. Namaste. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Awareness Podcast. Please remember to subscribe so that you receive a notification each time a new episode is released. Be sure to tune in next Friday for Integrating Spiritual Awakening with me, Susan Telford, and my guest, Louise Kay, in an episode entitled Dedication to Awakening. The Awareness Podcast is brought to you by the Teachers of God Foundation in association with Pure Presence Conferences.